When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Black Monday, Seahawk fans. That day when heads roll around the NFL and much to the chagrin of many of you, doesn't appear Pete Carroll's head is going to be rolling on the job line anytime soon. Unlike Ron Rivera in Washington, Arthur Smith in Atlanta, there are more that will certainly come. Assistant coaches are being let go around the league today. Changes certainly will be afoot for the Seahawks. Thought I'd jump on today for a quick morning after segment. A bit of an off-season primer. Get you set up with some big picture issues that I think we should be looking at. And let you know what's coming up ahead on the show as Seahawks Forever cranks it up into off-season mode. That's today on this audio-only exclusive edition of Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Well, we've had some time to chew on what happened yesterday, both in Arizona and Green Bay. The Bears not coming through and helping out the Seahawks. Otherwise, we'd be talking about a playoff berth today, right? Lots and lots of discussion, uh, comments on my live show yesterday, my reaction to the show, lots of debate, mostly through Twitter, at Seahawks Forever, if you're not following me. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on whichever audio platform you use. And if you'd like to listen to these episodes without ads, you can subscribe through Spotify. And... As we get into the offseason, that will become a, l- a little bit more crucial. I will do some some of these audio-only episodes and make them only available to subscribers for uh, a bit of time. So if you want to get in on that, the link is in the details of the show. And if you prefer audio or, uh, I'm sorry, video episodes, hop on over to the YouTube channel. Just type in Seahawks Forever and uh, it'll come up. Subscribe to that show. Uh, that's the bulk of the Seahawks Forever empire, <laughs> if you will. Uh, This will be a brief one today. I just had some things bouncing around my head, but also wanted to get you set up for what's coming up on the show. I mentioned this last night in the live stream. And as much as I love talking ball during the season, obviously, like what just happened, what's coming up, it gets a little repetitive. And it's the off season that really gets my juices flowing and uh, really taps into that boyhood dream of running an NFL team someday. Like if, if I got the genie in the bottle and they came out and said, what do you want? I'd say, make me an NFL GM. I think we all feel that way, right? Which is why we come together and we do this. Um, so I've got a bunch of things coming up and I will lean really heavily on some, some, uh, uh, some of the people that I know in this industry and, 
and people that have been on the show, people that haven't been on the show, trying to expand and reach out to new people. And I've got a bunch of things lined up. I'll touch on those in a minute. But I wanted to do two things basically today. I wanted to respond to a little bit of what Pete Carroll said on his coach's show this morning. And then uh, also something else that happened on Seattle Sports 710. Um, A comment from Colin Coward that I thought was really interesting. Let's get into the, the Pete Carroll stuff first. Because all of the focus today, we're not going to talk about his job security today because I think he's pretty safe. If you didn't watch my show yesterday, go to the YouTube channel, check that out. We get into it in depth there. I just don't think that Jody Allen and Burt Cold are ready to make that move yet. And Pete sounded as optimistic as ever on the coaches show this morning that the pieces are in place. And in fact, Mike Salk asked him, are you closer today to being a Super Bowl team than you were a year ago? And he said, absolutely. We think we're ready for the next step. He blamed youth for most of what's happening. And then we talked about the defense. And this has been a running storyline for the last couple of months, right? They end up 2023, not quite dead last, but 31st in rushing yards and 27th in yards per carry allowed by the defense. Last year, they were 30th in rush yards and 26th in yards per carry. So they slip a spot. Interestingly enough, though, Uh, rushing defense was improved around the league because the Seahawks gave up fewer rushing yards this year and fewer yards per carry than they did a year ago, but yet they slipped from 30th to 31st and 26th to 27th. It's obviously the, the biggest glaring issue with this team. Unless you're one of those that believes it's the quarterback position and we're going to get to that. And so Pete was asked about that and he talked at length about how it was so frustrating. We just couldn't get it done. And, and, you know, I just, it, it just was beyond us. We just, we couldn't get everything to fit right. And it's such a delicate balance between the front and the backside. And we made some adjustments in coverage. And then that, that, then it wasn't working with the run fits. And we weren't getting the fits right. And it just, you know, we've talked about this. It just, it sounded like the same old excuses, right? But this comment I found interesting. And I think it's telling for what lies ahead. This is Pete talking about, he was asked why. Why is there that gap between what you what needs to happen and what is happening on the field? And this is what Pete said. We didn't adjust well enough. That's really what it is. You have to adjust. You have to make the changes and make the shifts along the way. There was a time when I, I gave you, I tried to show you guys that we had shifted what we were doing on, in the secondary block and, and, and mm-hmm. slowed down the explosions. And it really significantly affected us. But in that in that transition, the running game got out of control, and, and we were giving up 200 yards a game rushing for a month. You know, which I can't even fathom that. But that's uh, that's what happened. And so uh, there's 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 just this it's this fine balance. You know, that you you try to you try to carry, it, and that's putting the players in the right place. It's practicing the right stuff. The the focus and the guys working hard. We that is what we are. We couldn't execute in two minutes. We couldn't execute on, on both sides of the ball. We couldn't execute in sudden change in the kicking game and all those things that we do uh, without having the, the right foundations for those things. But still, we didn't find the magic that we needed to turn in the right direction. We didn't adjust well enough to get that done. That's Clint Hurt, right? 
I mean, isn't that Pete saying they weren't coached well enough? That's what he's saying, right? I mean, it sure sounds like it to me. It sure sounds like he's setting it up. And and he wasn't asked specifically. Salk didn't follow up and say, is Clint Hurt's job in jeopardy? But Pete had already said that, you know, this is the time year where we evaluate all that stuff. We're about to go into meetings where we where we assess everything and we make those decisions and we make those choices was another word that he used. The big picture question is, and this is something we'll talk about in an ongoing manner over the next weeks and months is if, and I would say when that happens, does it matter? I mean, we talk about this all the time, but it's true. Pete Carroll is known as a defensive guy. He's a guy with a defensive background. He's a former defensive coordinator of the, Super Bowl champion San Francisco 49ers, known as an, an innovator and one of the better defensive minds in the league. He, he coached the Legion of Boom, one of the great defenses of all time that carried the Seahawks to two Super Bowls. Isn't he the CEO? Isn't he the guy that oversees it? Isn't it his scheme, basically, that these DCs, who have all been understudies of Pete, have carried out? He's never gone and hired an outside defensive coordinator. He's always promoted from within. Dan Quinn coached the defensive line before he was promoted. Gus Bradley was promoted from within. Chris Rashad, they, they all were. Is that because that's his preference or is that because he can't get an established DC to come in here because he's not allowed to run his own thing? We're, we're going to find out. And that might be one of the bigger storylines of the offseason. I thought that was telling. Um, I have not gone back and checked yet uh, for any historical timelines. Um, but I will as to, you know, how long between the end of the season and and moves being made, did he fire Ken Norton? Did he make the Schottenheimer decision on offense or the Bevel decision? I feel like he's not as knee-jerk as some other coaches and maybe it was a week or two of, of evaluation. And so we will see how that shapes up. And then I, I thought this was interesting too. I wanted to touch on this today. Colin Coward was on Seattle sports. And regardless of what you think of Colin Coward, and he can be a guy that I think goes for the hot take sometimes. And, and there are times like a lot of the national guys that it seems like he's, he's being outspoken about what he thinks needs to happen with a particular team. And he doesn't know that team intimately enough. He's been caught, you know, talking about players that aren't on rosters anymore, things like that. But he is a national guy. He is a big voice. He's a big name. And he was asked today a general question. He was brought on mostly to talk about the national championship game tonight between Washington and Michigan. But he was asked a general question about where do you think the Seahawks organization stands today? And here's what Colin Cowherd had to say. Yeah, I think they have the right coach, the right GM, the right roster. I think this league, go look at who's going to the playoffs. I mean, Miami-Buffalo last night. Why did Buffalo win? Josh Allen. <laughs> okay. Why is, Lamar, why is Baltimore number one seed? Um, I think Pete's the right coach. John's the right GM. I love the roster. O-line disappointed me this year a little bit. Um, but they've got playmakers. And this is not a knock on Geno. Geno's a starting quarterback in this league. But if you want to be great, you got to get great at a position that Vegas says is worth five to eight points a game if you have the right guy. So C.J. Stroud, Houston was a laughingstock a year ago. 
They're a playoff team. Why? Now, D'Amico's a great coach, but D'Amico could have Davis Mills. They would not be a playoff team. So I think think the Seahawks are fine. I think they're one of the few teams that has enough inventory and draft capital and players to move off some, move up, uh, and get somebody. It's not going to be Caleb. But get somebody, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix. Um, I'm not a huge J.J. McCarthy fan, but Pete knows what he's doing. Um, the personnel is good. The drafts have been excellent. Cap spaces, you know, they've got room there. So I think they're in great shape. It's just you get if, if you gave Seattle Josh Allen tomorrow, best team in the league. What? <laughs> what is he talking about? This is where the disconnect comes in. And unfortunately, I think this is where a lot of the fan base gets their information from. And it's it's it helps them to curate their opinions. And it's why I have to have these debates in the last few weeks where people come at me and, and tell me that Geno Smith is hot garbage, that he's terrible, that he's horrible, that he doesn't belong in the league. Those are actual things people have told me in the last 48 hours. If Josh Allen was on the Seahawks, they'd be the best team in the league. The Seahawks were 12th in the league in points per drive. That's not bad. But they were 28th in the league in number of drives. What does that tell you? Defense can't get off the goddamn field. What is he talking about? Geno has a better touchdown to interception ratio than Allen. Threw less interceptions than Allen. Love me some Josh Allen, but put him on the Seahawks and they're the best team in the league? Better than San Francisco? Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane. But it just goes to show how perception can be twisted and then people take that and run with it. Gino set an all-time record for game-winning drives in a season with five. Should have been six if if Jason Myers makes that field goal against the Rams. He has a higher yards per attempt than Mahomes, Herbert, Hurts, Burrow. Better TD to interception ratio than Tua, Mahomes, Allen, Cousins. Higher rating than Burrow, Hurts, Lawrence. Better completion percentage than Stafford, Stroud, Love. All guys that you would all, you anti-Geno faction would tell me you'd rather have. The Seahawks also face the second worst pressure rate allowed by their offensive tackles in the entire NFL at 21.5% allowed. Tennessee, notoriously bad offensive line this year, was number one. What I liked about Geno this year, and he changed my mind. I did a show two months ago where I said, Seahawks have to draft a quarterback in the first round. Didn't I? Go back and listen to it. It was a mock draft I did with Michael Thompson. But then he went and got better. In the last seven games, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. No interceptions in the last three games. When the Seahawks defense couldn't stop a nosebleed, teams were running all over us beating us by time of possession, a two-to-one ratio. Seahawks couldn't run the football until a little bit the last couple of games. It was all on Geno's shoulders. And you know what most NFL defenses are capable of doing? If they know there's only one way you can beat them, slowing that thing down. And yet Geno has played his best football these last six, seven games, I would argue, since he's been a Seahawk in high-pressure games that the Seahawks needed to try and win against teams that knew the only way they can beat us is throwing the football down the field. And yet, he did it time and time again. 
I just, I just wanted to address that. I thought that was a really, really strange comment uh, from Colin Coward. But it just goes to show you how I, I think it's lazy analysis. I do. He thinks they have the right roster. He thinks they have the right coaches. Remember also that the Seahawks started the season pretty good on defense. Week four or five, they were a top five rushing defense. And so those numbers, 30th and 31st, or 31st in rushing yards, 27th in yards per carry. If I went back and, and broke it down, I bet since, since week five, they're dead last. Anyway, we're going to talk a lot more about that as the week and the, the offseason goes along. I just wanted to touch on those things today um, and let you chew on those a little bit. And also to let you know uh, what we have coming up tomorrow on the show. And th these will all be video shows on YouTube and audio wherever you get them. So subscribe in the appropriate places. Uh, Chris Clough. Uh, published Seahawks authors, written a couple of books about the history of the Seahawks and also uh, spent 10 years covering the team for the Seattle Times will join me tomorrow. And then I have Corbin Smith, who does such an outstanding job for Locked on Seahawks and all Seahawks uh, credentialed reporter for the Seahawks. We're going to do a season wrap up on Wednesday and then Thursday. John Gilbert's going to join me from field goals. He is uh, our resident salary cap expert. We're going to talk about how the Seahawks can can. Uh can free up some salary cap space because as we speak today, there isn't much. And I've played around with calculators. You've probably seen some of that work and, and I've done some of that. Uh, but we're going to get John's thoughts on what can be done to free up some space so the Seahawks have some flexibility next year. So that's coming up just in the next three days, you guys. So be sure to subscribe. Uh, thanks for everything. What a great season. Uh, as far as the show goes, anyway. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to talking it through with you uh, as we get into uh, free agency and the draft and all that stuff as well. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Forever and always, go Hawks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.